Welcome to the podcast. I'm Isaac Carroll, and this is What Do I Know? Hey guys, thanks for joining with me again. I'm so very pleased that you have taken the time to join with me in reading of the Word. I'd like to start out with a little passage of Scripture, and I think it's a very important passage, and you'll see why in a minute. It's going to be in Luke 10, starting in verse 25. It says, One day an expert in the law stood up to test him. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied. And how do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. We can see why this question is so important. Because it's the age-old question that every that every individual has who believes in God. What must I do to be saved? What's my duty as a believer to be saved? And Jesus gives us the answer. It says to love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. So what do these words mean? What does love mean? Well, love in this passage means agapo. And agapo means to preeminently prefer, to embrace and to choose, to esteem and to long for. We know that preeminently to, to preeminently prefer means to prefer above all else. The next word is Loving with all your heart. And what does heart mean in the Bible? Well, heart is cardia. And what cardia means is core or center. It's basically where our thoughts, our aspirations, our fears, our feelings, and our desires come from. So, you know, not the organ or where we believe love comes, where we believe our affection comes from. It's where everything comes from. The next word is soul. And soul is nafesh. And nafesh is the center of you, your life, your being. Itself. It's that part between the flesh and the spirit. Soul. And it's directly correlated with the heart because the heart comes from the center of the soul. They are tied together. Now the next one is strength and mind. And these two... I believe to have closely the same understanding that we use today. And basically strength is with all your ability and your mind was with all your thoughts. So if you tie all those together, we're to love God with every everything that we are. Embrace and to prefer God above all else. And then the last part was to love our neighbor as ourself. And that doesn't mean just to not wish your neighbor harm, but to prefer his well-being, his salvation, as much as we do our own. So the last word I like to look at is live. Because Jesus said, do this and you will live. Well, live is desire. And desire means to be made alive. And we know that we were dead in our sin, but we were made desire alive in Christ. So, to live means to be saved. Deseo, to live. Jesus says, do this and you will 
be saved. Gives it a more significant meaning if you look at it in this fashion. All right, why do I say all this? It's 2024 in an election year. And most of the time, I like to avoid the news like the plague. But this year, I felt it was my obligation to get informed that I could vote responsibly as an American citizen. And it didn't take me long watching the news and and really paying attention to become very frustrated and very angry at what was going on in the world. And I saw that everything that I watched was geared to pull you one way or another to make sides, to divide us. Everything was there to divide us. Everything was an argument on one side or the other. There wasn't any unbiased opinions. It was just goading and constant prodding you to be angry at someone, the other side. How could there not be tension in the country we live in with all this constant barrage of hate, prejudice, name-calling? It's constant. And it reminded me of a passage of scripture. And God really was touching. God was really leading me to understand what I was seeing. And understand what was going on in the world. And we all know that time grows short. I'm sure we all believe we're in the very last of days. I believe we're building up to something. I believe that something is the great tribulation. That's my opinion. I believe that we are on the very edge but the scripture I'd like to draw your attention to, what was God was really touching me to, to, to see was Matthew 24. And it goes like this. So he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of an age? And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying that I am the Christ. And they will mislead many people. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not alarmed, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then they hand... Then they will hand you over to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time, many will fall away and they will be betrayed. And they will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and mislead many people. And because of lawlessness is increased, most people's love will become cold. But the one who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. It doesn't take long when we look at this world we live in today that lawlessness is increased. It is rampant in this society that we live in. We don't have to look very far to see Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 12. And because of lawlessness is increased, most people's love will become cold. And he follows it up by saying, but the one who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. 
Now we just read Luke 10 and 25, where Jesus gives us the answer on what we should be doing as followers of Christ. To love one another. To prefer their salvation and well-being as much as we do our own. Let's look at another passage. Let's look at Revelations. It's a letter to one of the churches in Revelations. And it goes like this. He said, I know your deeds and your labor and your perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. And you have put those who call themselves apostles to the test, and they are not. You have found them to be false. And you have persevered, and you have endured on account of my name. And you have not become weary. Now, this all sounds pretty good, doesn't it? He says, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I'm coming to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Then he goes on and says, you have this to your favor. You hate the deeds and the Colossians, which I also hate. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To the one who overcomes, I will grant him to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, the key point that I like to talk about here is what Jesus has against us. And that's because we lost our first love. What is that love he's talking about? Well, he only gives us two. The love for God and the love for our fellow man. Here we see that they have persevered on account of his name and they have not grown weary. They believe that they are following after God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength, and with all their mind. They believe they'd be doing the right thing, but they had done one thing wrong. They had forgotten their first love. Love for God and love for people. That's the two things we're supposed to do. And how does that even look? Well, all scripture is God-breathed. And I believe God gives us an example of everything in scripture. And I believe he gave us one of the best examples in Genesis 18. If you remember in Genesis 18, the Lord came down because the grievous sins of Sodom and Gomorrah had come before his throne. God had come down to see how grievous the sins were of Sodom and Gomorrah. Funny how he stops by and sees Abraham first. He says to himself, the scripture says, he says to himself, should I withhold what I'm about to do for my servant Abraham? Then he tells Abraham what he's about to do. Verse 23, what does Abraham say? Abraham stepped forward and says, you will really sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous ones in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous ones who are there? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of the whole earth do what is right? 
I can't even believe he said that to God. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? <laughs> it blows my mind. Abraham truly feared God. But he had such compassion for his fellow man. But he stood before God and asked him, will you really sweep away everyone and treat the righteous and the wicked alike? Will you not do what is right? As if God could ever do what is wrong. But God was testing Abraham's love to give us the best example of what we as Christians should be. What does Ezekiel 22 say? Starting in verse 30 says, I searched for a man among them to repair the wall and to stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so that I may not destroy it. But I found none. So I poured out my indignation upon them and consumed them with my fire and my fury. I brought their ways down upon their own heads, declares the Lord God. I can't tell you how much I've desired to see the Lord's day come. Matter of fact, I was just telling a friend the other day how much I was ready to see this world come to an end. For all the chaos and all the, the debauchery and all the madness that I see around me to finally go away and peace justice and righteousness and love amongst everyone to be what the only thing we see because God's reigning here on earth my friend who is he's a believer but he's not an active church goer he slipped away and I've been after him for a while to get back into it. But he proved here that he's a far better believer than I am. For he asked me, why in the world would you ever want to see that? I said, excuse me? He said, to see that, the world has to come to an end. And millions and millions of people wiped out. Death and destruction on a scale never before seen or witnessed ultimately hell on earth for a period of time before the last judgment. We all want to go to heaven. But the world needs to burn to make a way for it. And because God has opened my eyes recently, it showed me the callousness of my heart and I was convicted. He was showing himself a better Christian than me again. Showed me how much I was wrong. How many of us as Christians have prayed for God to hold off a little longer? To give us strength and a passion to share the gospel. To save as many of this lost world as can be saved before the time of the end. God came down and told Abraham, what he was about to do. And Abraham stood in the gap. Yes, Sodom and Gomorrah was still destroyed. But a Christian, a true believer, a follower of God, did what was right. And he prayed. 
They challenged God to save as many as possible. God, I have been so wrong, so hardened. I have prayed and looked forward to that day, and I still do, and why wouldn't I? I want to see my Lord, but do I want to see the world burn? Am I ready for what's coming? Have I done all that I can do to save as many as possible? I know I cannot save anyone. I don't have the power in myself, but God is living in me, and his word is true. And all I got to do is love someone enough to share it and give them a chance to be saved. So when this world finally does burn, as Sodom and Gomorrah did, it won't be just me who walks out. I pray God softens our hearts. Hearts of us believers and renews the passion within us for the lost. To remember our first love. To do the deeds we were called to do. I love you guys. This is a message. A message God had for me. A message I needed to tell you. If I need a reminding, I'm sure you need reminding too. I love you guys. This is the message. Until next time. Goodbye.